Just a few weeks ago, before coming to this tour in UK, I have been in the very east of Ukraine, in Donbass region, where we have war now, when we have invasion now. I have been there in the cities which were occupied and now free, like Slovyansk, Kramatorsk, and Severodonetsk, and also in the city of Mariupol, which is just on the border of Azov Sea. And uh, I was there with a group of artists, with a writer and musicians, and we have been singing for the people there and doing workshop with the children, with the students, with the refugees' kids, because in those cities now, like, there are thousands of homeless people from Donetsk, from Horlovka, from Shirokino. And in Mariupol, actually, um, since September, every day they're waiting for to be attacked. The Russian army is just 20 kilometers from the city now. And so, it's, um, I was there with the writer. His name is Serhi Jadan. He's also coming from this region. His parents are still there. And he, he's uh, writing, he has written a lot of poetry in the last month. And one was translated into English, partly. And I made music, so it will be only one piece, uh, not traditional, but composed. Hi, everybody. This is the Subtext Podcast, and I am Brian James Polak. Each month on this podcast, I usually speak with a playwright about life and writing and whatever else comes up. This, however, is a special episode I wanted to make. I felt compelled to make. I'll explain my reasoning in a moment. There won't be any usual theme song for this episode. If you've heard it, you know. The lyrics are, hi, how are you? And the question seems out of place at the moment. The voice that you heard uh, at the beginning of this episode and the music you're hearing right now is from Ukrainian singer Mariana Sadovska. She was not able to contribute a message for this episode, but gave me permission to use this music. 
And I chose this performance of this song because what she's singing is more relevant today than it was when she first sang it. It was actually recorded in 2017, but sounds like it could be about what is happening right now. Some of these cities many of us are hearing about currently in the news have been at a state of war going back to 2014. I am not Ukrainian. I am part Polish and I have visited Ukraine and that is where I wanted to start this episode. After I talk for a couple minutes, you will hear artists from the United States, United Kingdom, Lithuania, Poland, and Ukraine. This episode is not easy to listen to. There's a great deal of anguish out there because of this war Russia started in Ukraine. But who better than theater artists to convey feelings about what is going on right now? In February of 2019, I spent eight days in Ukraine helping a friend who was working on a Holocaust documentary. We spent a few days in Kyiv, but for the most part we were in a village called Cerniki, near the border with Belarus, several hours from the city. This village was pretty remote. The nearest town with a hotel was called Sarni, over an hour south. We spent the week in the homes of several people in Cerniki talking to them about its history, how during World War II, the Germans, before they perfected their system of murder and the death camps, would travel town to town and village to village, rounding up Jewish people and murdering them on the spot. I, I spent hours looking at the Ukrainian countryside as we drove between Sarni and Cerniki every day. I watched farmers conduct controlled burns, preparing their land for spring. When we drove at night, I could see these beautiful ribbons of fire extend out across these fields. Years before this trip, I was in Wroclaw, Poland, meeting many theater artists from several countries, including Lithuania, Romania, Hungary, and Ukraine. We spent our days talking about theater in our respective countries. We talked about the work we personally create, and we set out to collaborate with one another. I connected with one of the Ukrainian playwrights, Yulia Gonchar, who I found both brilliant and hilarious. Not long after this meeting, she invited me to speak to a theater conference she organized in Kyiv. I dialed in remotely because I couldn't make the trip and talked about American theater to a group of Ukrainian artists. I, I say all this because Ukraine isn't some place far away where war is happening. It is real and tangible to me. I've walked its land, I've embraced its people. On February 24th, when Russia invaded this country, it hit me in a way war never has done before, but perhaps should have. I saw the land we traveled through and pictured bombs and tanks. I thought of the people I knew and imagined the terror there must be feeling. But what could I do? The following day, Peter Kant, who is another theater artist I met on that trip to Vaslav, Poland several years ago, reached out to me. He and his organization, Hooligan, were organizing a fundraising campaign for the Ukrainian artists they knew through their years of work in the country. Hearing from Peter got me to realize I could do more than nothing. I had this podcast. It's not a huge platform, but it's something. I decided to reach out to the people I knew who had connections with Ukraine, some of them from the country themselves, like Yulia, 
and some of them connected in other ways. I asked people to record messages and send them to me. Many people were not able to contribute because they are literally in danger of losing their lives at the moment, but many could contribute. I've assembled their messages here. I hope you can listen. I hope if there is an action you can take to support those in need, that you do so, even if it is as simple as a show of solidarity, because this isn't something that's just happening far from here. It's real, it's scary, and it should matter to us all. Hello, my name is Benjamin Bukowski. I am a playwright and a theater director from Poland, currently living in the city of Krakow and working there as a deputy artistic director of the National Study Theater. And I would like to talk about the current situation from the Polish perspective, so a perspective of the country which is neighboring Ukraine. Up to date, and it's March the 13th, we have 1.7 million refugees here from Ukraine, the biggest amount among all the European countries, and estimated 3 or 4 more million people coming here in the upcoming weeks. Uh, so war is taking place at our border. It has reshaped the way we perceive it a lot. So war has been going on somewhere all the time. For the recent decades it has been mainly the Middle East, with people fleeing war, people seeking refuge in Europe. And uh, it also has taken place in Ukraine itself for the recent, for the last eight years, with uh, some regions being attacked by separatists backed and financed by Russia. But of course it has been only recently in the last three weeks that Ukraine has been attacked directly by, by the um, Russian Federation. And uh, it's a completely different perspective when you are aware that the bombs are falling, the people are shot, the cities are being starved 100, 100 kilometers or 30 kilometers from the borders of your own country. When you are aware that your country is the next one um, in threat and uh, it's only secured by being a part of the European Union and of the North Atlantic Treaty Organization. What we are facing now is a huge humanitarian crisis here and we are trying to help anyone we can. Poland is a country which still has to face responsibility for not supporting, not letting in people fleeing from the Middle East, not allowing to not allowing them to, to, to look for shelter here and with people starving and dying at our border. But in terms of this situation, the attitude of Polish politicians has rapidly changed, fortunately changed for better, 
and not only our government is in favor of people looking shelter here coming from the Ukraine, but also our whole, almost whole um, society is supporting them in a really astounding and amazing way. People are backing them financially, they are sharing whatever they have, they are sharing food, they are sharing their resources, they are letting people live in their houses, where they share their houses, their flats, their apartments. Many people became engaged into providing resources to the border and I would say that this en masse support is amazing, is very heart-touching. And But still, of course, it's not sufficient. We are aware that there is a kind of enthusiasm now and a lot of financial, economic structure problems to be dealt in the upcoming days, weeks and months because neither our economy is capable of bearing this kind of support, nor, of course, like um, all the problems can be solved easily. All those people will um, require work, will require um, places to live, will require some kind of education, some kind of structural support, um, learning our language, finding the places here to live. Hopefully the, the war will end in some time, but even if it does, we still have to answer what to do with all those people who decide to stay here. And uh, the most important thing is to provide the long-term support to let them become the part of our society to make them feel safe here and to allow them to participate in our social life. Uh, theater is for sure a part of this um, structure and theater should be a place to share experience, to find safety, to find a platform to talk, to express yourself, to state your mind and to feel a part of a society. So up to date, our theater, National, National Study Theater in Krakow, has came across at least a few so solutions. So apart from charity actions, so we have been collecting money during our shows. We have an ongoing charity collecting medical aid and providing it to the Polish-Ukrainian border. Uh, we start um, an initiative of playing um, of, 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 of running our shows with Ukrainian subtitles, of hiring people from Ukraine in our theater, having some kind of artistic residences. We also have some kind of workshops being organized right now, where people from Ukraine who found shelter in Krakow can take part in them, can participate, can come to the theater every week to have some kind of artistic activities and uh, we are also trying to find some new initiatives. Uh, one of our actresses um, hosted an actress from Kiev, in, uh, from, so from the capital of Ukraine, 
Mrs. Olena Shaparenko, who is also a teacher in the, at the, at the University for Theatre, Television and Film in Kiev. And her students are still being stuck there fighting for the freedom of the country. And at the same time, they are making their um, artistic projects. They are making their um, TV shows and some kinds of presentations, which we want to present and show in study theater in Krakow. Of course, all this um, help is not sufficient. And what I am aware of is that war does not end with a peace treaty and is not limited war is not limited to the country it takes place in war is what is born away with every refugee war is what reforges the shape of the economy of the landscape of the mentality and it is something that uh, to put it metaphorically leaves empty holes in the structure of the society itself and This conflict is currently reshaping not only Ukraine, not only Europe, it's reshaping the whole geopolitical structure of the world. And it should be our effort as the society and also our effort as the theater to take our very precise stand against the war, to support the Ukrainian society and to give those people who, both those who run, decide to, to run away to seek shelter and those who um, decided to stay and to fight for the country, a proper platform to express themselves, to be heard across the world. And since theater is a proper place for shaping and sharing one experience, I deeply believe that it's the most proper cultural institution uh, to allow those people to participate, to have their voice being heard. Uh, well, I, I, I must admit I've been talking in a quite chaotic way, sorry for that, but I was trying to um, collect my thoughts which are quite messy at the moment, since it's really, really hard to talk about something so fresh, so close to our border. I've been recently talking to some Ukrainian artists, actors, directors who found shelter in Krakow. They are all really, really engaged into supporting their country. And I would really, really like to thank them now and having this opportunity to speak in English and to speak to a broader audience all across the world to say thank you and to say we all support you and we want your voice to be heard. Hi, my name is Kristina. I am theater actress and playwright. I live in Vilnius, Lithuania. I am half Ukrainian myself. My father is from Ukraine. I have relatives who live in Kyiv and other cities of Ukraine. 
and for the past 11 days people in Ukraine are under constant threat of being killed for no reason and I want to make it clear this is not some kind of Ukrainian crisis as I've seen some of the articles put it this is a war it is a war against Ukraine and not only that this is Putin's war against all of the ideals that we hold dear in the free world. I am talking about human rights, democracy, freedom of speech. For the past 11 days, it's not only soldiers that are dying def defending their country and their freedom, but also countless civilians who suffer from war crimes, crimes against humanity. And let me be clear, I know that Ukrainian people will never give up. It's in their blood. It is an ancient nation, a free nation. They are now fighting not only for the future of their kids, their country, but also for us. And it is painfully obvious that they are putting their lives not only for themselves, but also for us here in Europe, especially Eastern Europe. And the bravery of soldiers and the citizens of every city in Ukraine is unprecedented. And if we all had at least a fraction of their spirit in our blood, this would never have happened. But it happened. And you have to understand that the consequences will be felt not only in Ukraine, not only in Europe, but all around the world. So, my message for you is to try to do anything you can to fight with Putin's regime by helping people in Ukraine. I want to make it clear, this is not their fight. This is our fight for the free world. I am sure there are organizations in America which collect support, money, um, clothing, medicine so please find find them and do whatever you can also i wanted to talk a little bit about russia um, most of the people in russia don't even know what is actually happening they were being brainwashed for at least 10 years and um, this led them to become this herd of sheep and uh, people who know what's happening and who are trying to protest are not only being arrested but are being beaten brutally in the streets and a few days ago there was a law released that anyone who uses the world the word war um, when describing what is happening in Ukraine will be put into jail for 15 years so so this is the some kind of Orwellian nightmare that the people in Russia have put themselves into by not fighting when this was still possible but uh, the people in Ukraine are fighting are dying because they are still free 
because the worst nightmare for them is not death, but the loss of freedom. So I beg you, help us fight this war by any means you can. Go to protests, donate money, clothes, medicine, report and hack Russian propaganda channels and influencers, support Ukrainian people by showing solidarity in social media. Everything counts. Also, please watch the documentary which is called Winter on Fire, Ukraine's Fight for Freedom, which is now available on YouTube. And then you can really understand the scale of this war and feel for yourselves the spirit of Ukraine. Slava Ukraini! My name is Abby Fenbert. I'm from Detroit, Michigan, and currently living in Los Angeles, and I'm a playwright. Uh, I served in Ukraine as a Peace Corps volunteer uh, from 2008 to 2011. When I was there, I studied the Ukrainian language, I lived with a Ukrainian host family, and I worked with Ukrainian youth. Uh, I was primarily a teacher, teaching English as a foreign language, we also developed summer camps and extracurricular programs. One of those projects uh, involved a year-long drama club and a theatrical performance with my high school students. And uh, when I came back from Ukraine, I uh, received my MFA in playwriting from Boston University. My thesis there was a play focused on Ukraine. It's a full-length play titled Sickle which uh, premiered at Red Theater Chicago in 2018, directed by Elizabeth Lovelady. And it's about the Holodomor, which was a genocide against the Ukrainian peasantry and Ukrainian culture and national identity, uh, perpetrated by Stalin's regime in the early 1930s. Uh, this play arose partly due to participation in a conference uh, hosted by the Holodomor Research and Education Consortium in Toronto, and also um, due to the Euromaidan uprising in 2014, when a mass movement of Ukrainians united against pro-Russian president Viktor Yanukovych. So uh, it was written during that time. It was my way of confronting uh, those events and then contextualizing them in Ukrainian history. Most Americans don't know uh, much or anything about the Holodomor. Um, the devastation of that event of the Holodomor, uh, of the attempted annihilation primarily by starvation of Ukrainian people and culture. It still defines Ukrainian national identity uh, and their relations with Russia today. Uh, the official stance of the Russian Federation is that the Holodomor never happened, um, but there was, if anything, a, a famine of natural causes. There was no genocidal action by the USSR. And uh, after Maidan, uh, Russia responded by annexing Crimea and invading the Donbass. And one of the things the Russian state did in Crimea was to remove from schools and libraries any books that referenced the Holodomor. So if they succeed in their aims in Ukraine, they will do the same and they will attempt to erase historical memory and 
the truth of what happened during that time. In terms of the current moment, uh, the most important thing is to elevate voices of Ukrainians, especially those who are there and living through uh, you know, intense uh, conflict and danger. Uh, I'm not I'm not Ukrainian, I'm not a Ukrainian scholar, um, but uh, it, it's also important to recognize that they are fighting for their lives right now. They may not have a lot of time and space or even safety to do um, a lot of sort of 101 level educating and, and giving historical context. So um, luckily there's lots of wonderful scholars and activists doing just that, and I'm also happy to share some of my perspective on that. And I will convey to anyone who asks, or even if they don't ask, that uh, that Russia's invasion is an unequivocal war crime with genocidal aims. And there should be no attempt to downplay the moral horror of it or suggest that there's some complex geopolitical reasons that justify it in any way. Uh, many people lack a lot of historical context surrounding Russia's attack, and many don't seem to even realize that uh, Russia has in fact been at war with Ukraine for the past seven years. Um, uh, so I, I do want people to learn more and get educated, understand things about the Holodomor, what happened, about what happened at Maidan in 2014, and you know the, the history of imperial aggression against Ukraine. But on the other hand, it is bad. It is just fucking bad. And I don't think you need a PhD in Slavic studies to realize that this invasion is a catastrophe, that it is morally unspeakable, viciously cruel. And I do worry sometimes that when people start talking about the complexities or cautioning non-experts not to speak out, um, it contributes to this idea that there's some big gray area with a lot of complicated issues. And in the end, it's not... Um, Russian aggression, its attempted eradication of Ukraine. It's part of a long imperial project. It predates the existence of NATO. Uh, you can hate US imperialism and be critical of NATO and hate Putin's imperialist brutality all at once. Enough room in our hearts for infinite hate. Um, I, think, I think people do understand kind of innately uh, that an attack like this has no justification. I mean, I, I was 15 when the US invaded Iraq. I was not a geopolitical expert by any means. And yet, I thought to myself, this is awful. This is a terrible idea. And I think, you know, that was true then, and it's true now. Uh, another topic I can speak to briefly um, is about the uh, intense way the war has already captivated a global audience, especially online. Uh, people have been sharing videos of everyday Ukrainians engaging in resistance and defiance, and, and also, of course, the courage and dignity of President Zelensky's video addresses have also been really inspiring to a lot of people. Um, and then it creates a strange situation where the war is a spectacle unfolding online, and know, a weird thing happens where some particularly Western observers start to experience the war as content, as entertainment, and almost like there's a weird fandom around Ukraine via their memes, uh, rather than true solidarity. And um, a lot of people caution against this, the objectification of this, 
and then against the idea of like wartime propaganda more generally. Um, and I, I think there's a lot to be said for that. I do not think it is fair to compare like a cell phone video of a guy picking up a mine with his bare hands and a cigarette in his mouth or a lady yelling at a Russian soldier to the entire Russian state media apparatus. They're, they're two very different things. And Ukrainians are, in reality, living through constant terror and sharing their experiences of it. Um, but I do think in this area, uh, historical and cultural context can be very grounding and very humanizing. I think the idea that Ukrainians are like all superheroes who can single-handedly beat up a convoy of tanks is not helpful and it's not humanizing. Um, it sets them up on a pedestal and obviously their right to humanity and safety is not contingent on their meme game. So, uh, in that sense, engaging with history and the arts and the aesthetics of Ukraine and Ukrainian life can counter that. I think when you understand more about the origins of Ukraine's dark humor and their casual practicality in the face of danger and their cultural pride and earnest sentiment and kind of sly wit, um, by understanding how they have coped and survived through uh, many tragedies and atrocities, I think this can illuminate for outsiders um, where that current attitude of resistance that they're seeing now comes from. Because I think most of us who lived in Ukraine, uh, you know, when we saw the video of the guy in the tractor hauling a Russian tank, we were like, yeah, that, that checks out. <laughs> That's not a surprise. Um, um, in terms of what uh, people can do, you know, if there are arts organizations, theaters, schools with the resources to sponsor and support Ukrainian artists uh, with work placements, help them secure visas, scholarships, funds, um, ways to get them tangible support, um, they should absolutely figure out how to do that. Um, another thing to consider is sponsoring works of Ukrainian artists and Ukrainian art, particularly works... Um, translated from the Ukrainian language. Uh, so when, when Putin goes on his, like, propaganda bullshit of denazification, uh, that phrase denazification, it's code for russification. Um, it involves eliminating any, any independent Ukrainian cultural heritage or political identity, including Ukrainian language. You know, Ukrainian is a distinct language from Russian. It's been under threat for, you know, many, many, many decades and years. Uh, so supporting the works made by Ukrainians in Ukrainian uh, is a way to combat that. Um, and then individuals, of course, they can support Ukrainian independent media like the Kyiv Independent, can donate money, can advocate for um, the U.S. to grant temporary protected status to those fleeing conflict, um, as the EU has already done. And then uh, finally, my hope is that uh, people maintain their solidarity with Ukrainians after the first wave of media tension dies down um, and a much longer road begins. My name is Charlie Merriman. I'm from London in the UK and that is also my current location. I'm an actor and a writer. My relationship to Ukraine really comes through an event held recently by the Ukrainian Institute in London, which was a rehearsed reading of Nina Murray's translation of Lesya Ukrainka's play Cassandra. 
My friend Maria Montague, who works for the Ukrainian Institute in London, asked me to play Hellenus in the rehearsed reading. Through preparation for the event and at the reading itself, I learned a lot about Lesia Ukrainka and the circumstances under which she wrote the play, and Nina Murray's wonderful translation really brings it to life for English speakers. I think what's happening in Ukraine at the moment is abhorrent. The brutality is absolutely horrifying, and being based in the UK, it can be difficult to know how to help. I think if you happen to know anyone who is helping in Ukraine at the moment, then making donations to them directly for supplies they may need is a good way to help out. A friend of mine put on social media, for example, that he is driving in and out of Ukraine to help people flee and asked for any donations towards gas and other supplies. Otherwise, there's a very useful page on the website for the Ukrainian Institute in London with a list of ways in which people can help out and charities to donate to. In terms of final thoughts, I send my love out to the people of Ukraine. We will get through this together. My name is Dominika Laster, and I'm Associate Professor of Theatre and Performance Studies at the University of New Mexico, which sits on the unceded lands of multiple indigenous territories, including 19 Pueblos, three Apache tribes, and the Diné or Navajo Nation. I'm also the books section editor for TDR, the Drama Review. I was born and grew up in Wrocław, Poland, and came to this country as a political refugee when I was nine. My mother was a political dissident and we escaped Poland in late 1983, moving through a refugee camp on the outskirts of Vienna before being granted political asylum in the United States. While I was born in Poland, uh, two of my grandparents on either side of the family were Ukrainian. My maternal grandmother, Aleksandra Sadova, came from the Kharkiv region, and my paternal grandfather, David Daniel Laster, was born in Horodenka, which is in present-day Ukraine. While my grandfather was a sole survivor of the Shoah, my grandmother's family survived and stayed in close contact with us over the years after the war. Uh, we fell out of touch with uh, this Ukrainian side of our family after my grandmother's passing in 2016, so it was increasingly difficult uh, to find people after the um, Russian invasion of Ukraine. However, thanks to Ukrainian volunteers working on the ground, I was able to reconnect with uh, one of my aunts. Uh, the volunteers were able to go to her physical residence, check in on her, and get her phone number. So now uh, we are in daily uh, contact. For the time being, my aunt has decided to stay uh, in Kharkiv. Um, she says that she's surrendering to the will of God and whatever happens, happens. Food is not always readily available in Kharkiv, and there are times when she cannot leave her apartment because it is unsafe. In those times, she makes do with the potatoes that she stored for the winter in her basement. Uh, luckily, there are volunteers who are helping elders in the city and can support her and others in similar situations. Um, like for many of you listening, um, the last couple of weeks have been extremely distressing. It is very painful to witness the events from afar with limited agency to intervene. Um, I'm currently organizing a teach-in and fundraiser for the humanitarian efforts in Ukraine. 
I'm in daily contact with uh, Vitaly Osmolovsky, who is currently leading large-scale efforts uh, receiving and supporting Ukrainian refugees entering Poland. Uh, Vitaly was born in Ukraine, but studied and practiced law in Poland for about seven years. Uh, he was pursuing his PhD in the Jesuit School of Theology in Berkeley when the war broke out. Uh, and he interrupted his studies to travel to Poland uh, to do on-the-ground work with refugees there. Uh, within the last week, for instance, he moved an entire orphanage from Ukraine to Poland. All of the funds collected through the fundraising efforts, which I'm spearheading, will go directly to support his work. I will also travel to Poland in mid-May to, to conduct a project at the Theatre Academy in Warsaw centered around practices of hospitality. I was invited to lead this project before uh, the uh, current war. However, now with 1.8 million Ukrainian refugees in Poland, the project is even more timely and urgent. I invite listeners interested in supporting these fundraising efforts to find me on Facebook, where I will share a link to my GoFundMe page. The Russian invasion of Ukraine is causing so much suffering on so many levels, and it is already clear that the repercussions will be both pervasive and long-lasting. It is imperative that each of us do what we can to support the humanitarian efforts and try to mitigate some of the physical and emotional damage caused by the unfolding uh, events. Even the smallest of actions are significant and have a cumulative impact that can have tremendous potential. Any external action we can take towards peace and the alleviation of human suffering is very important. However, it is also crucial to remember that external realities are a reflection of our own inner worlds and that we must work to create more empathy, generosity, and compassion within ourselves and our most intimate circles. Moreover, while the war in Ukraine is new and extremely acute, there are enduring and ongoing systems of oppressions that persist both globally and locally uh, that we need to remember. Here I'm inspired by and take cue from the incredible projects being developed by abolitionist, inflected, creative, scholarly, and active work of such women as Angela Davis, Ruth Wilson Gilmore, Gilmore and Mariam Kaba, to name just a few. These projects offer both critical analysis and strategies for dismantling the military and prison industrial complex globally and rely on transformative and restorative mod modalities of justice. Or such indige indigenous collectives as the Red Nation, who are leading anti-capitalist and anti-imperialist work of decolonization. It is critical that we build international systems of support, care, and solidarity, for in the same way that our oppressions are interconnected, so is the potential for our liberation. And while these visions may seem utopian, to quote James Baldwin, the impossible is the least that we can demand. Yeah, so so at the moment, obviously, it's um, I, it was great your, to the, to hear you reaching out, and there's been quite a few uh, people reaching out also who want um, 
would like to hear contact from from Ukrainians who are currently in Ukraine or just on the on the on the journey out and it's it's obviously a really sensitive and difficult time um for people to have any sort of ref- reflection because the fight for um survival is is happening now <laughs> on every level and it's it, it's as extreme as as you know you could one can't really imagine it um even now you know i'm just walking with nuba but we're just trying to find ways to connect to our friends and to ourselves and to stay sort of to stay moving somehow to stay to stay in touch um with what's happening but of course that's not possible to do 24 hours a day and so that's the reason why it's become quite quickly clear that the art is a place that is really important to stay in and it's the place where the work has been going on for a long time and it will remain the place where the work to, uh, where the work will continue so um that's just to explain why i i was i was happy to be able to try to speak on on behalf of my friends and colleagues a little bit the last days and to do what i could to make sure that um for example that video you mentioned uh, the art of sniper was edited by my friend and colleague in in Berlin Yannick Burma who'd also been part of um the bigger project which we had started in 2016 traveling to Ukraine um first of all through connection with the European Theatre Convention who put us in touch with the amazing young artists actors artistic um managers and producers of uh, of Ukraine and especially Kiev um so yes that's just to say I don't I wish I didn't have to speak on their behalf right now um but i feel uh, a strong um duty of of care um but also outrage at the situation and um dread so my name is peter kant and i'm a british berlin based theater director and producer um i've worked in the fields of music theater device theater opera and um theater and music theater for communities and young people and all of that work has kind of cohered almost magically but certainly beautifully in the work that I've been uh privileged to be able to do for five more than five years uh in Ukraine and uh it began through identifying um the uh the sort of realizing the power and passion and um amazing skills and talents of such a such a large group of of young young uh, Ukrainians um i would say like i i was lucky enough to to meet a kind of a generational two generations who had kind of found their voice or were finding their voice um after 2014 um in the light of the revolution in the uh after the events of of um uh the the beginnings of the war and um and yeah it it became clear that that there was a great uh, uh opportunity to um support um these young artistic voices and to enter into a kind of exchange facilitation collaboration which was also helped by the fact that around 2017 there was visa free movement um for uh, for Ukrainians into into Germany so that we could start to arrange exchanges and collaborations and find funds 
And so I started to direct the majority of my time and energy into creating opportunities for these independent artists to um, to work together, to work with me, um, to make a performance, to make different performances. And eventually, uh, after a few years of working with different different individuals uh, in different settings and different groups, uh, we formed um, together a, a, a group um, called Hooligan Hooligan Art Community, and that was created and founded in Kiev by the actor um, and producer Danilo Tremenko, who um, has been in Kiev until just recently, just yesterday. He's now trying to get his family um, safely uh, west. Um, he co-founded it with Mira Zhuchkova, who appears in the, in the video, The Art of Sniper, that we've just posted to our channels. Um, and Mira Zhuchkova is a writer, performer, actress, filmmaker, they are all multi-talented. Another one is Sam Keesley, um, another actor and writer and performer and can do all sorts of things. And he, he, we made our first big piece centered around the story um, that he told me in 2017 about his teenage years as a football hooligan. So in 2019, we worked in a variety of formats and festivals to develop a piece called Hooligan, um, which, yeah, then became the name of our company. And uh, we worked um, in a devised method. It was important always to try to find um, ways of communicating, ways of being together, to work against the kind of legacy of breakdown in communication and trust, um, which emanated still from a, 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 in the in the post-Soviet uh, um, atmosphere some, somehow, uh, or the or the uh, the legacy within their parents and grandparents' generation. And they were hungry for new methods, and uh, it was clear there was a, a need, a, a desire, a hunger for for input, because um, all of these amazing artists were watching. They, they, I was so impressed by their knowledge of film, theatre, music from across the whole world, and especially Europe. And so it was clear that uh, to collaborate and to work and to find opportunities for them to to uh, have. To, to use their voices independently, free from the theatre institutions um, and in the number of increasing, uh, increasingly active festivals and independent arts festivals around Ukraine, that that would be worth spending time doing. And we, we did a lot in the last five, six years and even through a pandemic. And now um, Hooligan Art Community will continue for now from Berlin to actually um, support that independent artist network um, for those who are traveling, uh, who are trying to reach Germany, um, there'll be a kind of artistic creative poem, I hope, for them um, in Berlin. But also for those who are currently staying, they need a lifeline as well. And we're able to get money to them at the moment through a fundraising campaign that we launched on the day that the war started. So we, uh, we started that campaign through our Instagram and Facebook channels. On Instagram, that's uh, hooligan underscore art underscore community. And on Facebook, uh, hooligan dot theater dot performance. Um, and yeah, we're just uh, asking people to do acts of fundraising if they want to support directly, maybe make collections if they can offer a little bit of money. Um, it, we're, we're basically able to try to, um, I guess, really support the dignity of our artists, our, our community and their friends and family in, in continuing um, 
to live their lives in the in the shadow of this this absolute trauma and that means it will be the artists um, and these are the artists of the future they already were able to articulate so much and so clearly and so strongly the last years about their the, the, the situation in Ukraine but I absolutely believe that their voices will need to be nurtured and cared for and supported to the maximum so that's what we're going to be trying to um, to, to put the money towards first of all their their physical survival so that they may uh, may continue uh, to live and and to be able to uh, 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 support their families with rising food costs in, in Ukraine if, if that's where they are but also to be able to afford uh, emergency travel to pay uh, uh, taxis uh, find escape routes um, whatever they need and then uh, to know that we can actually support them when they're when they're safe um, to continue um, working artistically and uh, that's just you know kind of what we learned from from Ukraine was that the, the grassroots work um, uh, is the only way to to really continue and that's what we wanted to do with this fundraiser um, to provide a kind of uh, uh, as much of a of a, an, a net um, to 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 catch as many as we can um, to support them when they uh, when they need it the most and we were really I have to say one of the most heartening things was that most of that fundraising has been from our direct artistic networks and um, I think that's the power of like artistic networks and we shouldn't forget that and um, uh, that in the in this moment of need we could call upon those people that we've we've known through art through theatre um, artists live these very precarious lives and I think they're in the best position to imagine what it means for others who lose their livelihoods and lose their incomes and their houses and their homes and their belongings I think um, that's been amazing to see the support to feel that yeah so I can I can do my best right now if I just read to you a text that Mira Zhuzkova, the um, amazing actress and writer that we work with, uh, sent to me the night the night before last. Um, Mira has been creating texts um, within our performances um, and and creating characters. Um, with a, a, an enormous amount of freedom and skill and passion um, and uh, drawing from film, from photography, from song. Um, this is a truly inspired person and she's now sort of writing um, within the confines of her house her, with her family in Kiev. Um, and she's sort of writing for her life right now. She's been writing a letter campaign to Kirill Serebrenikov uh, through uh, Instagram, the, 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 the director in Russia, um, and just trying to understand the, wh why uh, there's not um, this response in Russia, why, why artists aren't able to stand up, what is holding them down. And she says in her text, I'll, I'll read it to you, um, honestly, I have nothing to say. I want to sing Ukrainian songs with my friends, but I do it by myself at home when especially hard and heavy. To realize, to act, it's time to sing Beznyanki 
Only one thing I see now, that everything in the past, subconsciously, it was about these days, these 10 days. All my thoughts, photos, art, our last performance, radiation, my dreams in the night. I live in a big world of empathy and derealization, but outside, everything is very simple. Yesterday, I edited a video, Russian soldier for what do you die? Tomorrow, I will look for medica medications for an old man, a grandfather of a friend of a friend of my friend. It's a difficult task. Most pharmacies are closed, lacking the necessary medication. Sometimes I'm just lying down and watching a disintegration. We take turns to freak out on the telephone and telegram, Insta, at home, all over Ukraine. This is how our support network works. We take turns of responsibility. I can't hug my mum. I'll do it in the morning. My dad protects us and I feel our land. He takes care of his weapon, as in his youth. There are horror stories being told. Our ancestors howling from the ground. I say, Granny, they are hurting us. My cities, my buildings, my young and beautiful Ukrainian souls. Children, can you feel their pain? I don't believe in Russian people. I forgot about them. I don't feel anything. They won't help us by means of their fear. There is no hope for them. And I don't know for whom it is, but I know that we are our own hope. But I have nothing to say. Everyone can feel what's happening much more than we can say. And I think uh, one of the shame, uh, one of the really difficult things to, to understand now is that you know, I'd been telling people about these amazing artists for a long time, and it was very hard to get uh, um, get institutions to take notice. Uh, we, we we had started to get support from British Council, from from organisations in London, but um, we think that we know what's going on as artists, and we often feel quite proud that we we're on the right track with things. But uh, I think we there's still a kind of a, a lack of a lack of curiosity, um, a lack of sensing actually more deeply into what's going on in, in the human condition and a, and, a, and a willing ignorance about certain areas. And so I feel a lot of, uh, I feel that I also myself maybe didn't, could, couldn't quite contact what they were saying, these artists. Um, I just could feel it was important and tried to give it the channel. But um, we hope to give it that channel now, finally, and we hope that people will support and we hope that Berlin will will um, find ways to to host um, really uh, what Ukrainians have to say um, and the artists in particular. We've seen an amazing um, support in Poland and Germany for the refugees already, um, but it's the artists who have been processing this on a very deep level for a long time and it comes as a shock but I think not as a surprise. I am Yulia Gonchar, and I am from Kiev, Ukraine. And uh, now I am located in Warsaw, in Poland. I am a co-founder of a theater in Kiev and I'm a playwright and a scriptwriter. 
I am Ukrainian, I lived there all my life and uh, of course I've been working with Ukrainians, I love Ukrainians, I am Ukrainian. So right now I'm in Warsaw and um, everyone left, some host went uh, to clinic, she's working there. Her name is Susanna, she's very nice to us. And my boyfriend uh, left to a Polish guy who has some ammunition, so he can give him this ammunition. My boyfriend wants to go to Kiev these days, maybe tomorrow, maybe the day after tomorrow. It depends, we are trying to find the so-called Kamizelka. This is a, a bulletproof vest. And um, yeah. Okay, my thoughts. Anything else? Any information I want to share? Um, that's a that's a crazy nightmare we've been living right now, and uh, I feel like this war is not war between the countries; it's a war of evil and good forces. Uh, it may sound a little bit uh, high style or whatever. I don't give a shit about that because I really feel like. Like, my country is struggling right now, and uh, I hope for support from all the countries all over the world not to be sucked in into the Russian propaganda saying that neo-Nazis occupied Ukraine. We've been living for all this time greatly. We were doing our best to restore the economy, to restore the institutions. Yeah, we had our mistakes, but it's our mistakes. And no one has a right, no Lily Putin has a right to just bomb people, to bomb our houses and our relatives and our friends and our cats and dogs and whatever, everything. I miss my friends very much because we are now everywhere struggling. I'm very worried about my boyfriend and I feel like I'm abandoned and left alone but uh, of course I got a lot of support from different people all over the world. I also have some guilt feelings as I'm now not in Ukraine but I'm trying to help the best way possible. I have a stomachache for both months like this tension in my body, I can get rid of it, I'm meditating, I'm doing yoga, but somehow it arises again and again, and it may be very stupid to say that, but in the first place I miss my friends, of course, I miss people, I miss the plans, because we just opened the theater at the very center of Kiev. And we were choosing the place, we got a stage, we were choosing the directors, and now all these people, like the director of my play, 
he took rifle in his hands and he's go he's going to fight and my boyfriend himself is a scriptwriter and he's also want to fight and I feel I feel crazy about that like why people kill other people in the 21st century if we can deal with we can talk we can communicate with each other I uh, also miss my apartment <laughs> yeah it may sound ridiculous like in this time uh, someone is missing some material stuff but actually yes I miss my apartment because it was my nest it was my cave and I could be safe there I I was hosting a lot of people from different Ukrainian uh, suburbians uh, areas whatever my friends stayed there for a long time and I've built up my own very chaotic very uh, funny way of living but I miss my plants very much and the whole collection of plants which were with me for my whole life and even before I was born because my mom who died long ago she has this collection and I was taking care of it and uh, now they're all abundant no no one waters them no one takes care of them and uh, they're they gonna die they gonna just die and the collection of orchids <laughs> yeah I, 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 I acknowledge that they, it may sound very funny and ridiculous like how can you miss your orchids but you know that's my feelings right now my emotions and yeah I miss my orchids I had a bamboo orchid I had orchid from Holland and all the different style and all the different colors and uh, they're now all abundant and uh, I'm very afraid all my stuff I, I love stuff you know I love collecting things uh, I love all these uh, beautiful things you can buy I love it I'm not a shopaholic I'm not a consumer is crazy but just presents from my friends some candles something like a, a funny fur coat from my ex-boyfriend and <laughs> it's, it's so ridiculous but yeah I, I'm thinking about the things too and my home and I'm I'm missing my rituals very much like going to the coffee place and having some nice conversation with my friends I miss uh, some rituals with my friends like smoking weed whatever yeah I don't have that I don't have that and I don't want I'm super sober right now I okay going back uh, what you can do what you can do to help us in this situation is 
to show actively your support and just use your resources I'm not forcing you to jump over your head and uh, give everything you have and invest all your time and energy I know how exhausting it may be just to read the news is already exhausting enough but we need to spread the world word to spread the word about this situation we need to support our family and friends and to support people personally if you see anyone's in need or you can talk to me and I will advise you uh, and maybe organize some psychological support for people and maybe you can also donate if you can donate that would be great or if you can connect people like now we are in need of ammunition bulletproof vests and all this kind of shoes boots military boots my friends who are theater directors actors very very tender man tender people you know activists lgbtq they're all now fighting they're all now doing their best volunteering and they're really in need of that medicine so please connect to someone who is responsible for connecting to ukraine and ask about the needs but if you don't have resources for that just donate some amount of money it can be a small amount of money doesn't matter and uh, yeah donate to the military forces they really need it for food supply for clothes yeah i want you to help us because it's really a huge war and if it's gonna it's gonna have an impact not only on ukraine now it's devastating how putin and russian forces troops how they're bombing everything civilians how they're bombing our cities how they're bombing nuclear plants this is severe but that's gonna have a huge effect on everyone because they already got their plans to restore the Soviet Union. I'm not talking about propaganda. I'm not trying to propagand something. I'm just translating what I see and I saw an article they posted on 26 when they were hoping, the officials were hoping to have the split creek to invade Ukraine and totally occupy it very rapidly as they did before in 2014 with the eastern part of Ukraine when the army was not that strong as now, not that prepared as now. And uh, they said, so in this article, you know, they said they want to restore the Soviet Union in its borders. So you can imagine, you can imagine what kind of impact it will have on each and every one. Thank you for this opportunity to talk to you. 
and I hope that we will win. We will. Because the good forces always win. I believe so. Otherwise, I don't know. What's another way? Thank you. Наше місто було з каменю та заліза в кожного з нас. Тепер в році дорожня валіза. Наше місто було з каменю та заліза. Thank you for listening through the end of this episode. I encourage you to rewind and note ways in which you can help during this crisis. I am sharing the rest of that song that we started the episode with by Mariana Sadovska. It's going to play us out to the end. Take care. Жінки в нашому місті були дзвінки і безтурботні їхні пальці вночі торкались безодні жінки в нашому місті були дзвінки і безтурботні їхні пальці вночі Caravan.